You're listening to Canadian IP Voices, a podcast where we talk intellectual property with a range of professionals and stakeholders across Canada and abroad. Whether you are an entrepreneur, artist, inventor, or just curious, you will learn about some of the real problems and get real solutions for how trademarks, patents, copyrights, industrial designs, and trade secrets work in real life. I'm Lisa Deschardins, and I'm your host. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcasters and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Canadian Intellectual Property Office. You've probably heard about FIFA, the Fédération Internationale de Football Association, and the FIFA World Cup. But have you ever thought about the fact that intellectual property is the foundation of the FIFA commercial program? Commercial affiliates, or sponsors, will only invest in the FIFA events and activities if they're provided with the exclusive use of the IP. So imagine if anyone was free to use the FIFA brand, the mascot, images, the intellectual property, then there wouldn't be a reason to become a sponsor. This would obviously ultimately result in the FIFA not being able to secure the funding for its event and to develop the game globally. So, protecting and managing the FIFA brand is extremely important. To learn more, we're meeting with Julie Jones, the group leader for IP registration at the FIFA's head office in Switzerland, as well as Raed Alhoud, FIFA Brand Protection Council for the Middle East and North Africa region. <laughs> Julie, I'll start with you. Welcome to the podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you in our podcast. Hi, Lisa. Really happy to be here. Thank you for having us. The FIFA brand is enormous and we're recording this right when the FIFA Cup is happening. This is really a fun topic for us to discuss and a very important one that I think actually small to medium enterprises have something to learn from. So you're the group leader for the IP registration group and developed the IP strategy for the FIFA brand. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the kind of work that you do at FIFA? Yes, sure. So I won't go maybe too far back, but uh, something maybe important to know. So I did law in France and uh, intellectual property there and uh, qualified as a trademark attorney. And I moved to Switzerland a bit more than uh, 15 years ago now. I worked for a pharmaceutical company in the energy industry and I joined FIFA a bit more than a year ago where I responsible for the IP registration team and I lead a group of uh, three paralegals. Hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the portfolio at FIFA? What are the main assets and how they are created and protected? Yes, the trademark portfolio is main assets are trademarks uh, followed by copyright. We have as well some, some designs. The size of the portfolio always a bit interesting to know, to put things in perspective. So it's these 12,000 titles we are looking after. And for the creation of the assets for, for the competition are made in-house sometimes by our brand marketing team. But also we are working with design agencies. And once they create this asset and also during the process of the creation of the asset, they are in touch with us, in contact with us, and we guide them through all uh, the process. We give legal opinion on the way, and then we decide whether we'll go via IP registration program or whether we'll use the asset without a registration, whether we'll rely on copyright. So basically, we decide on the strategy on the way, depending how we want to create value, how the brand is important for FIFA and for the competitions. 
So you're an important contributor to FIFA's IP strategy. For someone who doesn't know anything about IP strategy, but just knows a little bit about brands and design, what does working with IP strategy actually mean? I think you need to work very much in advance in the process of uh, the development of a trademark. So what you need to do first, very first step, is to do a prior trademark search just to make sure that you are not infringing any third-party rights. And then you need to decide once this is available and you think it is a good name, you need to decide what I'm going to file. Would that be just a word mark? Would that be a device mark? Would that be a word and device mark? Will I do the filing in color, black and white? And I think that all of that will depend on the kind of use that you want to do with this trademark. Is it a use long term? What kind of uh, product and services would you like to cover? So you need to take all of that into account at the time of the filing. And, and once you filed, it's not over. It's the beginning of a process to register your trademark because it will be examined by different trademark offices. And you will receive what we call provisional refusal and uh, you can answer to this refusal to overcome them. Uh, you need to develop an argumentation and uh, certainly not meet the deadlines by which your answer is due. And after that, your trademark will be published and third party can file opposition against your trademark. That's another thing you need to pay attention to and to make sure that your trademark goes through registration, you will need to answer to the position. And once you have this registration, then it's not over. You need to make sure that you will defend your rights, put in place you know, a watch service and receive watch notice where you will see, oh, this filing is quite close to mine. Maybe I will oppose and it will be your turn to oppose and to enforce your rights. And also check the market, you know, monitor the market because some people will not file a trademark, but they're going to use something that is possibly identical or similar to your own trademark. So watch the market and also uh, use your trademark and keep evidence that you are using your trademark in order to avoid to face a cancellation for non-use, for instance. And after that, once you have a bit of time in the market, but not too long, you have six months after the first filing, usually to extend your trademark in other countries. So make sure you don't miss this deadline if you want to go uh, beyond your borders. So yeah, I think it's a lot to think when we speak about IP strategy and uh, timing is really crucial. That's great advice. And I took a peek at FIFA's various IP assets and I could see that they're created way in advance. So coming early mm -hmm. makes sense. It really does. If you met an entrepreneur on the street and they don't know a whole lot about IP, what kind of main considerations would you share with that person? Yeah, I think budget can be a bit uh, scary, but is a key to have a look at. And in, uh, protecting intellectual property, it has certainly a cost. So be mindful of your budget. I think file only in countries where you intend to use a trademark now or in the near future and only for goods and services of your interest. So I think there's no need to go wild to ensure an efficient protection, but you can have good protection at a reasonable cost if you focus on your budget. I would say treat your IP as an important asset to get right straight at the beginning. Don't come too late. 
don't hesitate to get advice early as soon as you have an idea. And then with a good protection, it can be uh, the most valuable asset for your company in the future. And uh, as I've said earlier, timing is of essence. Just to give you an example, at FIFA, for us, uh, FIFA World Cup 2022 is almost over for my team. And we are already working on World Cup 2026. We are really excited because it's, yeah, it's coming as well to Canada. So we work already on that one. That's very good advice. And 2026, that's four years away. So that gives us a good hint as to what strategy is all about and the importance of timing. So Julie has talked about how the FIFA brand is protected and, and some of the important considerations that are also applicable to other companies with the brand. So there's a lot of good lessons learned um, shared in there. Thank you for that, um, Julie. That's excellent. We'll also explore the commercial side of managing the brand. And Raed, you are FIFA's Brand Protection Council for the Middle East and North Africa region and responsible for making sure that the FIFA brand is used the way it is intended in this region. And at the moment, you're in Qatar, where the cup is played. Ed, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lisa. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you in this uh, episode. Yes, I'm in the middle of the operations at Doha, Qatar, and I'm happy to contribute in this podcast. This is excellent. So you're in Qatar. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the kind of work that you're doing there? Sure. Uh, I started my career in intellectual property 15 years ago. I started in the registration side of IP. Uh, then I moved to enforcement, which is brand protection. Uh, my last work was with the USPTO, United States Patent and Trademark Office. I was working at uh, IP attache office at the U.S. Embassy in Kuwait, where we covered uh, MENA region, Middle East and North Africa countries. Our main role was to support U.S. companies to protect their rights in the Middle East and North Africa. Uh, and then I moved to work with uh, FIFA in 2020. And now we are three in the team, and we'll be mostly 25 close to the operations, distributed among the eight stadiums and the FIFA Fan Festival uh, to support and protect our rights. Fantastic. Now, Qatar is uh, an important country for the FIFA Cup, but it's not a very big country. And I can imagine such an important event and such a big brand creates um, a bit of a challenge, uh, I would imagine. And I know that in Qatar, there's the FIFA IP law, IP law 10 and 11 that have been implemented specifically for the FIFA Cup. Can you explain a little bit about how the brand is protected in Qatar? Sure. Uh, actually, last year, 2021, we issued two laws in Qatar. The first one is law number 10 for 2021, which related to measures opposing the World Cup, uh, FIFA, Qatar 2022. Uh, the law has many articles, but part of these articles concerns the commercial rights of FIFA intellectual property, which mainly uh, the brand, uh, the official name, the mascot, all of these rights were included in this law. In addition to that, we have a law number 11 for 2021, which related to expediting the registration procedures for our trademarks. Further to the law number 10 for 2021, we have also filled the gaps that is in the current legislative regime which, for example, unfair competition laws was not covered properly, which 
to fit FIFA's needs in this tournament. In addition to that, there's a commercial restriction area in this law, which means any commercial activities that are happening close to the stadiums, FIFA has to approve it before uh, the, the establishment of this uh, activity. In addition to that, we uh, also shed the light on the domain name, the conflict between trademark and domain name, uh, as well as the use of the tickets as part of promotional campaign. This is an exclusive rights for FIFA, and any third parties, especially non-authorized parties, cannot use tickets as part of their promotional campaign. Lots of important supportive legislation in Qatar. Very interesting indeed. And um, obviously, there's a lot of activities that you'd have to embark on as you protect the brand. What is FIFA's approach to brand protection? Actually, our approach was quite different than, I would say, any other countries. We uh, adopted an approach which is, we do our due diligence first to the cases, and when we feel uh, the case is minimum and does not fit to be a huge infringement. We uh, tend to call the infringer, uh, give them the justification uh, that we know that what you are doing is not legal. Uh, and there is a law number 10 for 2021, which prevents such kind of activities. And there is a huge lack of awareness when it comes to IP in, in the region, specifically in Qatar. So our initial approach after we do our due diligence is to call the companies, telling them, look, this is illegal according to the law. And 99% of the cases, if not 100%, are sold amicably within 24 hours. So we don't have any cases in the court in Qatar. And most of the cases are sold by call. Uh, we have noticed a lack of awareness when it comes to IP in the region. Based on that, we decided to follow a proactive approach by raising the awareness uh, before these companies and individuals before they start using our IP without authorization. Uh, we started to deliver training for the officials in the region, such as Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Morocco, Algeria, and Jordan. After that, uh, we published awareness messages using social media platforms instead of traditional newspapers where we used soft language instead of threatening language for individuals and companies in the region. Also, we tailored the message based on the audience, which means in North Africa countries, we uh, published the awareness messages in both Arabic and the French. For example, in Egypt, we published our awareness message using Facebook platforms. In other countries like Saudi Arabia, we used Twitter. For example, Kuwait, we used Instagram. So we used the most effective tool to raise the awareness when it comes to IP awareness. In addition to that, since Qatar is the host country, we run a massive campaign in cooperation with the ministries in Qatar, such as Minister of Commerce, Minister of Interior, and Minister of Culture, uh, where we raised the awareness about the IP, as well as we delivered awareness campaigns to the malls, hotels, travel agencies, just to be more proactive when it comes to IP and not being uh, reactive when they just used our IP without authorization. And we have maybe to spend more time and more money to stop them. Excellent. I took a peek and I saw FIFA's published 
actually really excellent guidelines for the use of Viva's IP. And in there, we can really learn a whole lot, not only about the IP assets, but also about the affiliated partners. I was wondering, can you explain how the FIFA assets are the basis of these licensing agreements? Because I think for a, a small to medium enterprises, it's a good guide to read to get an understanding for the monetization through licensing. Absolutely. Actually, the IP guidelines was created to allow third party to enjoy and celebrate the tournament without infringing FIFA's rights. So we used, as you can see, very simplified words for non-IP, let's say, uh, people just for them to try to understand the document. So we have the IP guidelines in six languages, Arabic, English, French, Chinese, Spanish and German. So we tried to cover the most of the languages. Uh, Matching to that, we use a very simplified language. For example, companies could use generic terms to celebrate the tournament without infringing FIFA's rights. For example, countries of floods, football generic terms, you know. So all of these are permitted to be used. Uh, and this is meant to be included in the IP guidelines. And this is one of the main goals we created and published these guidelines on FIFA.com. Yeah, the guideline contains really important information about the authorized use of like, FIFA brands. What about practically? Can you tell us a little bit about the kind of work that is involved in enforcing such a large portfolio of IP? Actually, as you mentioned, uh, we cover Middle East and North Africa countries. And we have really uh, big countries like Egypt, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, and most of the shipments that are coming to Middle East are coming through Dubai uh, as a hub. Uh, So we do uh, record our trademarks in the customs as a first step. After, of course, uh, uh, trademark protection at the IP offices, we do uh, a further step of protection, which is protected our trademark before customs. Uh, So whenever there is a shipment coming to the region, Customs will notify us we received the shipments that contain FIFA IP. Could you please verify the authenticity of this shipment? And this when it comes to counterfeit goods, because customs uh, are the first lines of a protection. And when it comes to unauthorized use, we have law firms in the region. In each region helps us to monitor the market, monitor the, the unauthorized use as well, in addition to enforcing any uh, unauthorized activities that are happening in, in, in the region. That's excellent. I know Canada has a similar program with the customs um, where, you know, anyone with a registered trademark or a copyright can request that kind of assistance. Very, very important and interesting information. Thank you so much. Finally, if you had the opportunity to teach an entrepreneur a few IP tricks, what would you tell them? Well, that's a very good question. Our region is adopting first to file, not first to use. So first advice is just go and file, protect your IP, because we are adopting a first to file uh, basis. Uh, so this is first thing. Second thing, don't consider IP as an expense. It might be the main assets you have after your company growing. In addition to that, I would like to add that entrepreneurs could use IP as a mean to source money, which means to use it as IP collateral on further stages. Fabulous. 
Ed and Julie. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing insights and the importance of managing a brand well ahead of a big event. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. You've listened to Canadian IP Voices, where we talk intellectual property. In this episode, we heard from Julie Jones and Raed Alhud, who have the important task of managing and protecting FIFA's impressive portfolio of over 12,000 IP assets. Julie explained the importance of planning ahead early when it comes to IP. FIFA is already protecting their IP assets for the World Cup in Canada 2026. Raed described the kind of work involved in protecting the brand from unauthorized use, which is, at large, an educational effort supported by firm legislation and active monitoring. If you're curious to read FIFA's IP guidelines that describe their IP assets and how these can be used, open the description to this episode to find a link to the documents.